You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. And so one of the things I want to say to you, I'm not going to go to the scripture, but what is the Lord waiting on before his return? Well, James says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. What is that? That's men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, this generation. He's waiting for the precious fruit. The Bible says he's a, he's a good farmer. King James used husbandman. It means farmer. God's a good farmer. If he sowed something, how many know the Lord sowed Jesus? The best seed that could ever been sown. He sowed it. Remember that seed had to die. But in order for that seed to come, the seed had to die and that seed come back to life. And then you and I are also fruit of that seed. He's the first begotten from among the dead. Not the last. He's the first. You were begotten from among the dead. You were one time dead in your sins and you've been made alive by the blood of Jesus Christ, by believing God. And then we know this. So I want to get to a place tonight, but James chapter 5, verse 16 says, the, prayer, the effectual, fervent, amplified classic says, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic in their working. So I want to talk to you, um, this Wednesday night group, this group that is interested in obeying God, I want to talk to you about some things that are on my heart. Uh, I hit them intermittently, uh, but it's been really, it's getting stronger and stronger. Um, I had someone that I had, uh, you know, some things to do with them that are in the ministry. And they uh, kind of stirred, I was already stirred this direction, but they, I didn't even tell them. But they stirred me even more this direction. Um, um, I love teaching on faith. I love teaching on the authority of the believer. I love, I love, love teaching on uh, following the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. But one other thing that I really um, have revelation on that I want to share with you is um, how to pray, how to pray. And I, I think if, you know, if you've been around on Sunday mornings, sometimes I kind of get a little um, irritated because I, you can tell that I've heard somebody say something silly like, uh, you know, don't bother to pray. Why y'all always want to pray? Pray and don't get anything done. And then, you know, my anger kind of, because really people who say that, and the Lord just kind of you know, sanding me down a little bit. He just said, you know, if someone says that, that just means they don't know me. If someone says that, they, they don't have a relationship with me. Because if you really knew him and you knew how to pray, you would know that there's power when you pray. It's not inactivity. And as a matter of fact, when you pray, and if you'll stay there and do it right, the Lord will give you an assignment with that, or he'll give you something to do about it. He doesn't just leave it. That's where people miss it. Um, God will give you uh, even your part to play in something that's going on big um, in our uh, city, in our nation, in the world. And so I want to remind you of some things. Um, and I specifically want to hone in on something. Um, I'll just introduce it. Um, we're going to talk about the prayer of intercession. And it's not something maybe that you hear a lot about. When I came into spirit-filled living in the uh, mid-'80s, going into the 90s, intercession uh, took a, a bad turn. In other words, um, it got off in spirit-filled circles. You notice in spirit-filled circles is where things seem to get off. And so what I mean by that is it just took it. Everything spiritual has to stay in doctrine. And I've been praying out on Wednesday, Wednesdays at noon prayer. The Lord is really talking to me about solid doctrine. 
because he moves off of solid doctrine. Doctrine is word. There's this one a website of a church that said, we don't have any doctrine. I was like, what they meant to say, I know what they were meaning to say, we're, we're not religious. But doctrine is not a bad word. Doctrine just means established principles in the word of God. It's not based off one scripture. It's not based off two scriptures. It's based off of agreement of the context of the whole word of God. So good doctrine is important. And so good doctrine and prayer is important. Because um, you, this word intercession, it just simply means to approach the king on behalf of someone who has no standing. It's to approach a king on behalf of someone, A, who doesn't care, or A, doesn't have the right to approach the king. And so you're approaching the king on their behalf. And so there's so much in here. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about is, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, our world's in a little bit of trouble. It's a little messed up out there. And you can get mad about it. You can post about it. You can uh, find some people who just fit into your narrow group of friends and talk about it and not do anything about it. Or we can do something about it. I, I feel like this church and this group of people are the let's do something about it people. How we, what are we going to do? Well, the first thing, it starts in communicating to God. And so this is really big. Um, it's something that I've taught over the years. But like I said, when I first came in to the um, spirit-filled life, um, uh, my spiritual father, when I went to Bible school, was correcting error in this area. Because back then, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember this, people were wearing fatigues to church. They were renting airplanes and going up into the high places. They were going to the tallest building in town. They came to church with war on their mind. They began to pray in what they called warring tongues. And so this is kind of, so I'm just giving you a background. This is how it came in. And so, and every prayer meeting was an intercessory prayer meeting. And so he was bringing that, because every prayer meeting you have, to intercede is to go to the king on behalf of someone who has no stance. So sometimes when we get together to pray, it's supplication. Sometimes it's corporate prayer, and there's not any element of intercession in it. But this is what happened to me because I'm a reasonable person. When anyone said the word intercession, I was like, oops, that's bad. This is bad. And I remember um, we, when I first started over in the storefront, I remember this lady came in, and she ended up being a, you know, a tremendous prayer and a tremendous help to me. I'll never forget the time she said, she's like, are you going to have intercessory prayer? And I thought, uh-oh, she must be off. Because surely she would know that that's a bad word. And really what the Lord did with me, because um, I was really young in the ministry, um, he's like, he really spoke to me. He said, that's not a bad word. As a matter of fact, I really can't move into the lost until somebody intercedes. Until somebody prays. Until somebody gives me access. So I do need you to intercede. So what he did was he made me do a like a seven, eight-week series on intercession, not for the church, for me. So I had to study it out. Because, see, when I see doctrinal error in the old days, I used to just stay away from it. But then I learned, I'm helping, this Wednesday night, y'all good? Good. Um, I remember when, uh, let's just use this one, Prosperity. Back a number of years ago, took a real bad um, turn 
In other words, it just took a bad turn. And so, um, my goodness, people were doing all kinds of squirrely things, saying all kinds of squirrely things, and uh, making people feel bad if you didn't have, you know, a handful of diamonds and the ladies didn't have a mink on, which would be wrong today. I mean, but, but you know, if you didn't drive a Cadillac, there was pastors that if you have a brand new car, you park up front. If you have an old one, you park in the back. I mean, there was all kinds of stupid stuff going on. I mean, that's just scripturally wrong. Um, and so... All kinds of stuff going on. So I had to tell every guest minister that was coming in, uh, you can preach on anything, but don't preach on prosperity. I'm the only one that preaches on prosperity in my church. And so I really had that rule for a little bit because I wanted to keep everybody solid. Because, and that's how we've kept this going all these years. Um, because we did, I, I, not that I'm perfect, but I just don't want to get off. And I think I'm talking to a group of people who don't want to get off either. How do you not get off? Well, you stick with the word. And now I'm going to tell you that right now even is a time that people can get off. Now, this is what you got to do. You not only got to take the word, but you got to take the spirit of what's being said. And I'm going to tell you again, it's Wednesday night, so you can all handle it. If you listen to someone who's a preacher and you walk away with a fight against somebody else mentality, not from God. Not from God. I don't care. Well, they're, I don't care who they are. I don't care because that's, that's not the spirit of grace. It's not. Do we fight? Yeah, but we fight in faith, and we're not fighting anybody. We're fighting spirits, but we're not fighting any. And last time I looked, we were above them. <laughs> last time I looked, we were above them. So when you listen to things, also you got to listen for the Holy Ghost will give you this ooey-gooey good feeling on the end. Even when something's hard, it's, it's good. You know it's God. you got that sense of peace on the inside of you. So you got to be careful, even if someone's well-known. Because nobody, not even me, is above uh, interjecting their opinion. And, their, and if someone's always angry, that doesn't sound like a fruit to me. Well, it sounds like a fruit to me, but not the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Because the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace. And the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So even if you're correcting something or coming at something, you're always going to end on a note of victory. Because we always win. Because we always win. Because we always win. We always win. We always win. Amen. And so... I, I just, I want you to see that. And so I want to get after this. So really, if you're going to talk about intercession, I'm just going to obviously be able to introduce tonight what we want to talk about as we go forward. Because I really believe, I remember when I was really young, uh, Isaiah, I didn't look this scripture up because I wasn't going to plan on using it. But he, the, in Isaiah, there's a scripture that says, when it's time for the children to be birthed and there's no strength, I mean, you know, um, I don't understand this part very much, but some of you do. Half of you do. You need strength to bring forth a child. And the New Testament even says the pain of it goes away after you look at the little baby face. <laughs> so cute. Right? But in the pain of it, all kind of stuff could be going on. Yelling and screaming and slapping. 
I told Pastor Rhonda when Destiny was born, I was like, why, don't they go, why did they ever change? In the olden days, the men would just wait in the waiting room. <laughs> so that would have been good. <laughs> anyway, all kinds of stuff could happen. She's not here tonight. Um, <laughs> she's probably watching. Hey. Um, just felt that. She's watching. Um, but intercession gives strength, gives the Holy Ghost opportunity. There's a whole lot of people, even in the buckle of the Bible belt, who need Jesus. Jesus, right before he left, he told us to go and make disciples. The church's mission, you want to change a city, you want to change a nation, you want to change any nation, the word of the Lord has to have free course. If you want to change a nation, then the light of the word of God has to come. And the blinders on people's eyes have got to be removed. And they must be born again. But after they're born again, I don't think it's never really been an option with Jesus. He's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence speaking other tongues. I think in these last days, it's not going to be so much an option not to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to need a very definite distinction in their life to be, uh, to be able to um, navigate these last days. And then we're going to have to disciple them, teach them the word of God, show them what the word says. Now, even after you do that, you're not going to get 100% agreement, y'all. And so if you think that's the purpose of church, no. You know, I love our church, all different backgrounds, all different, you know, we're, a, we're not just a multicultural church, we're a multi-generational church. And that comes with some interesting things, <laughs> And everybody don't think like you, and you're not always right. And you need to listen, and you need to learn, and you need to be open. And we need to stay of anything. We need to stay full of compassion and love people. And when they see that we love one another, and we like one another, and we get along with one another, then that's going to draw them. But then our part as a church, and we're just going to pick this up real strong, I hope that you get a hold of this, is I want you to know that intercession is necessary for the lost. And we've always been a praying church because I've always been a praying person. Sometimes I want to, like I'm back on Wednesdays doing noon prayer. There was a season that I quit doing it. But, um, you know, somebody told me, uh, well, the Lord told me to do it again. But it's really good, I, I think, even if you don't come, to know that, that prayer is not woman's work. In most churches, it's all women who pray. That's not so in our church. Why? Because uh, I'm not a woman, <laughs> and I pray. And, you know, um, it's important. It's important. I like to hang out with guys who know how to pray. I love for our men's thing that come up, the Ollie's in charge of, we go away. I think this year we're doing it here. But usually on Thursday night, 
before it starts. We, just, we have pizza and we all pray. And it is so cool to hear about 80 guys in a baritone voice lift up their voice and pray together in the Holy Ghost. It's very cool. It's, it's awesome. So prayer is not just for women. You don't even have to be called to prayer. So back in the day, especially the 70s, 80s, I think uh, they began to give, give out titles. And one of the titles was intercessor. But there is no title called intercessor. Just like there's no title called psalmist. Don't, don't get mad if somebody called you a psalmist. We're all psalmists. You just might be more proficient at it. You've not a, there's a private, private psalmist, and you can give it publicly, but you don't get a title with that. I'm sorry. But you don't get a title with intercessor either because we're all supposed to be doing it. It's not a ministry gift. And see, when you make it a ministry gift and it's not, then it gives people the get-out-of-jail-free card on the Monopoly game. They don't have to do it because I'm not called to do it. Well, you're wrong. You're call- Everybody's called to do it. It's like, well, I'm not a minister of reconciliation. Yes, you are. You're supposed to be winning people to Jesus. You're supposed to be sharing your testimony. You're a witness. Amen? And so why am I saying that? I just want you to see this is important. It's for everybody. It's not a special gift. It's not a special call to pray. There's not just certain people. That's their gift to pray. No, it's not a gift to pray. It's your duty. It's your privilege. Let's start there. It's your privilege. Come on. If you've ever really talked to God and prayed, it is a privilege to work with the Holy Ghost. It's fun. Man, you can ta- you can, your spiritual passport can be full in an hour. You can be going everywhere. Today we went to Israel for a minute. It was awesome. I didn't even have to get on a plane. I found myself on a first-name basis with a lot of world leaders from Madison, Alabama. I'm not, I'm not getting weird. I'm not talking to them. But the Lord will give me something, and I'll speak it out. There's things you can change. I'm just trying to pump you up a little bit. Because praying is fun. Praying is awesome. But the work doesn't get done. God is, it seems as though, what is it John Wesley said? It seems as though God can do nothing until someone on the earth prays. God needs you. So what is an intercessor? An intercessor is a go-between. An intercessor is someone who approaches the king, in this case, Father God, on behalf of someone who has no standing. And so Jesus is the greatest intercessor that has ever lived. Let's look in Romans chapter 8, verse number 34. It says, Romans 8, 34, who is it that condemns? Is it, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. Oh, aren't you glad you're not just barely saved, you're saved to the uttermost. That come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession. Pastor Robert was talking about Sunday. Um, Pastor Robert's at the beach. Let's pray for him. Um, Bless him. Anyway, so, um, but, no, I hope they have a great time. But he brought up how Jesus is the mediator, the, the high priest over the tithe. Jesus, some people think, what is Jesus doing? He's serving as a high priest. He's the high priest of your profession or confession. He sees that your words from his words come to pass. Number two, he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek over your tithe. 
But the third thing he's over, he is the high priest over. He is ever living to make intercession. Now, a lot of people was he interceding for me? Is he interceding for the world? You know, people cut this one kind of, you know, slim for me. One person says this, one person says that. I'll just stick with this. It says he's ever living to make intercession for me, and I thank you. My mamaw used to say, if I can't get nobody to pray for me, I know Jesus is praying for me. He's ever living to make intercession. Intercession. Now, you and I, the reason that some people say, well, I don't know that he needs to intercede for me anymore because I have right standing with the king myself. And that's true. But this is, he said he's ever living to make intercession for them. And then you go back and remember Job. You know, you can't get a lot of doctrine out of Job, but I like this in Job chapter 9, verses 32 and 33. Job is talking to God. He says, for he's not a man as I am that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman. Daysman. What is that? That's a word for it. That's intercessor. And what does it say? Betwixt us that he might lay his hand upon us both. In other words, Job was saying he realized because he was before any of the covenants, he was saying, I don't have any legal rights when Satan was attacking Job. He didn't have somebody. He realized, I need somebody to go between. Because right now, I don't have the access. I don't have the covenant. I don't have the right. Yet this devil is attacking me, stealing from me. And he told the Lord, I need a daysman. I, he realized, I need a go-between. I need somebody to put my hand, their hand on you, God, and I need somebody to put their hand on me and pull us together. That is what Jesus did. And then he let it go, and he put our hand in God's hand, the Father, because he's your Father now. But we needed a daysman. We needed an intercessor. We needed a go-between. Um, it says this in Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many. Who's this talking about? Talking about Jesus. And made intercession. He bare the sins of many. He bore our sins. And then the Bible says, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus made intercession. He's ever living to make intercession, but his life was intercession for you and I so that we could have access to Father God. Then it says this in Isaiah 59, 16. Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm, so God was looking out and he couldn't find a faithful intercessor. He couldn't find someone to be a go-between. And so he sent someone who would be faithful. He sent someone who would get the job done because he wanted you and I back. He needed someone to fix the, the, fix the divide, to be a repairer of the breach, to get us back together. He saw there was no man and wondered, was there no, no intercessor? Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, and his righteousness, it sustained him. So I want to start with that is that Jesus is an intercessor. He ever lives to make intercession, and he does have a ministry as the high priest as an intercessor. But just because he has that ministry, it doesn't mean there's exclusive ministry for any individual here on the earth, but we're all called to that ministry. Everybody say, I am an intercessor. So let's get into this. What does it look like? Because this is the deal. Would you all agree with me? There's a whole lot of people. If Barna is right, in the United States of America right now, 
61% claim to be not born again. If Barna is right, and they're pretty good. Now, you bump that up when you ask somebody, are you an evangelical? Now listen, if you're born again, you know you're born again. Is, is there any quiver in your liver if you're, you know, how many of you know, how many you know salvation is no so? Do you know you're born again? If someone were to ask you, are you born again, you'd say what? How do you know you're born again? Well, I just know. That's why we call it no so. That's how you that's how you determine if someone's born again. If you want to ask somebody and you say, Are you born again? They'll say, No, do you go to church? Yeah, I'm an evangelical. Well, today that's a political term. Let's just go with born again. It's very clear. You either is or you ain't. And so if that's a fact, then in the United States of America, where most of the gospel has come from in our time, then we are going backwards quickly. And the only thing that will... How many of you know it's not the will of God for anybody to go to hell? No matter what current views they hold. Right? What's our job as the church? Jesus left us an assignment. Go into all the world. Is Madison and Huntsville part of the world? I know a lot of people don't think it is, but Alabama is is a cool place to live. If you're watching, this is the best place to live. You should move here. Anyway, so um, there are no houses for you, but you should move here. Um, uh, (laughs) Because everybody else beat you to it. Uh, But... You just move here anyway. They're building apartments like crazy. Anyway, um, so, but, you know, even here and people moving in, we have an opportunity and an obligation. Our job as the church, our primary mission is to preach the gospel, the good news, and get people born again, get people back to God, and disciple them. And so our slogan, you know, what we, the Lord gave me a number of years ago, raising up a generation multi-generational church, raising up a generation from infants to adults. And we do, whether you believe it or not, we start with the infants. We teach them. They don't just change their diapers, they teach them. How can you teach an infant? I don't know, but they do it. There's things they do. They've learned some things to do. We do it faithfully. Uh, As they grow up, they're taught here. They're taught doctrine. They're taught the move of the Holy Ghost. They get born again around here very young. Get filled with the Holy Ghost very young. Amen. When they're matured at seven and eight, then I water baptize them. So matured at seven or eight. Yeah, because I make sure that they've got a grasp of it. I'm not just I'm not just getting a cute photo op for a family. Make sure they're born again. Most of them when I do, they're already filled with the Holy Ghost. They know God. Our jo- that's part of our job. But we can't let we, part, part of our job, part of our calling, and part of our heart should be, when I see that percentage, my heart should immediately go, what's my part of the solution? What's my part? And so I can tell you one of your part is to pray, is to intercede. And then as we intercede, the Lord will give us assignments individually, as a church corporately, the body of Christ corporately, Different strategies for different cities, different states, different regions. But this is a big deal. We're living in the last days. And you see, I just happen to believe the word of God. 
And I believe he's coming for a glorious church. And that's a church with the glory of God on it. Come on, y'all. We're not going out of here in a weak whimper. We're going out with a shout. Come on. Come on. The Bible says the glory of the latter house. Well, it's latter. So whatever happened in the book of Acts, that's just the beginning of the rain. And there's been seasons of outpourings. So I thought we were talking about intercession. It all works together. Because, see, when God pours out his spirit, it attracts those that are lost. It attracts those that are back. Come on. Are you kidding me? Let's, talk, let's ask Elijah. Elijah, what would you do? <laughs> He's not literally listening. Elijah, what would you do when uh, the children of Israel were backslidden? Well, God gave me a plan. What was that plan? He, he, told, he told me to call down fire. And I told all them people who were backslidden, the God that answers by fire, that, you know, he's God. Y'all up for it? And they all said, good. And the prophets of Baal said, yeah, we'll take that. And remember what happened in the middle of a drought. Remember, remember, the God, everybody said, the God who answers by fire. But see, Elijah was a man of prayer. Elijah was someone who heard from God. And so the Lord gave him a strategy to get to the lost. The children of Israel were always backsliding. And God was always calling them back. Come on. You look through there and you see how many times that God called them back. Because you finally say, if I hear one more person say, this is America's last call. I don't believe it's the last call until I hear a trumpet sound. Come on, y'all. He paid a high price for everybody. <laughs> and, and he's, he's going... He, Good things are happening. You're alive at a really good time. Well, I don't know. It's been a rough year. Well, guess what? Um, you know, you can tell your... No, you can't. I don't think you'll remember it when you get to heaven. But, I mean, you know, y'all know we're going to be like... Our mansions are going to be next to martyrs and people who died for the gospel. If the Lord just wants you to spend a few extra moments praying, give somebody a piece of paper that says hope lives on it, Text somebody and tell them God loves you. Serve in the nursery on a Sunday morning and be on time. And uh, you know, it's not asking a whole lot. It's not asking a whole lot. Amen. But we're, he's, got, he's just, in the book of Acts, it was the beginning. Come on, y'all, he's going to do some big things. Big things. And so we got to position ourselves. And one of the big things is praying for the lost. So Jesus ever lives to make intercession. And so you and I are called to intercede. What does it look like? Well, again, it's someone who has standing with the king, approaching the king on behalf of somebody who does not. And so we'll look at this example. It's all throughout the Old Covenant. Uh, there's illustration. Let's just look at, at Genesis 18, verse 20. You all are familiar with this account. Genesis 18. And remember, this is Old Covenant, but the principles are here, and we're going to, we're going to start with this. So Jesus is an intercessor. Jesus is ever living to make intercession. You and I have the ability to pray. The prayers of the righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic, and they're working. Prayer is just us talking to God and God talking back. And so here is an example of true intercession. Genesis 18, 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. And so you all know what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. The wages, this is still New Testament. New Testament says the wages of sin is death. And if you don't judge yourself, whether you're born again or not born again, if you don't judge yourself, you're going to be judged. Sin calls out for judgment. Well, not under grace, Pastor Mark. No, sin still calls out for judgment. That's New Testament. The wages of sin, the paycheck for living in and practicing sin is some form of death. Aren't you glad Jesus took all your sin, took all your shame, took all your pain? But you see, then there's a lot of people out there who don't know that or don't care or don't know they should care. All right? And so Sodom and Gomorrah people are just doing their thing, living in sin, practicing it. And then what happens? There's a cry that comes up. And verse 22, it says, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Remember, um, remember if you go back, uh, I wasn't going to do this, but remember when God did this, he said, um, I've got to stop by Abram's house because he's my friend. I'm going to stop by Abram's house because he's my friend. How many know you're a friend of God? And more than a friend of God, you're a son and a daughter. And so God said, I can't do this thing until I check in. And what was he doing? He was going to give Abram because, remember, who lived there? Who lived over there? Y'all remember who lived over there? That pesky nephew Lot. Remember him? Who Abraham should have left behind. But he always took him with him because he felt guilty because his daddy died. Lot's daddy died. And so he took him with him. And then Lot, remember, the herdsmen were all fighting. And he told Lot, you pick. And so Lot picked towards Sodom and Gomorrah because it was the best. And then he kept getting closer and closer because sin will draw you. Because sin calls out. And if you mess with it, it's a slippery slope. It calls, it calls, it pulls, it pulls. The next thing you knew, Lot was living there. And then by that time, he'd been married, you know, he's married now and he's got two girls. They've married somebody from Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a mess. But God, in his, come on, y'all, God is merciful and kind. He's merciful and kind. Because God went to a man, he needs somebody on the earth. Because, see, he doesn't want to pass judgment. If he wanted to pass judgment, Jesus, the word, would still be in heaven and have never come to the earth. Pastor Rhonda says it like this. If God wanted to punish mankind, he would have left Adam and Eve alone in the garden with no solution. But the moment they messed up, he had a solution. And he said, there's somebody coming. He even talked to the snake. The devil, and he said, you may bruise his heel. I like the modern translation says, but he's going to crush your head. <laughs> and then that same person that was going to crush his head would ever live to make intercession for mankind. So here we are. Now we're at Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham drew near and said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, if there be 50 righteous within the city, will you, uh, will you destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous therein? And notice he used the word righteous, even way back then. Righteous. Well, I'm glad there's 50 righteous. There's double that in the room right now. But there's definitely more than 50 righteous in the USA, even if it's messed up. We're all still here. 
Lord, we're still here. And we're seated in heavenly places. We've got authority. And we've got a name that's above every name. He said, and he said, the Lord, be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked. How do you know he's talking to him like a friend? He reverences him, but he's, he's talking to him. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find 50. And so I began, this is where auctioneering began. Give me 50, give me 50, give me 45, 45, he'll give me 40. And it went down to, remember he said, well, Lord, you know, since there's not, he knew there wasn't 50. He said, if there's, you know, if there's 45. And the Lord said, okay, if there's 45. And then verse 30, Lord, don't be angry. And I'm going to speak, prevent you if there's 30. He said, I'm not going to destroy it if there's 30. He said, Lord, I'm going to take it on, you know, how about, how about 20? And the Lord said, I'll do 20. And he said, Lord, don't be angry. I'm going to speak. He's just trying him out. He, what is that? Intercession. The Lord said in Isaiah, said, let us come together. Come, let us plead together. What is that? What does it mean to plead with the Lord? It's not, it's not, like be, it's not begging. It's you stating your case from the word of God. And then if you'll hang out long enough, he'll state his case. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, I don't like it, the Lord's case. It's always going to be the word, but, you know, um, and it always ends in victory, but it may not end in the victory you wanted or how you thought it. But it, life always ends up in victory. I'm thinking of an instance, you know, I was talking to the Lord about something. Um, uh, and people's will have to do, uh, okay. Um, people's will have to, I tell you the story about, but it pops up. So maybe it'll help somebody in the room or somebody watching. Um, I have a, a lady, I, you know, I collect, uh, back in the day I collected moms. I have a great mom. And yet I, everywhere I go, I seem to collect moms. I don't know if I, if, I don't think it's because I needed them. I think it's because they needed me. But anyway, um, but um, I had this one mom named Christine. And uh, we agreed together. Man, we can agree together. And I could, uh, even for her in some things, I could plead her case. She could plead my case. Um, many times I pleaded her case before the Lord in different things, and uh, the Lord just wouldn't move. And, um, uh, you know, so um, I've told you this story before, but I, why it bears repetition, I don't know how it fits here exactly, but it's on my heart to tell you. And then I'm going to probably, we'll figure this out and let you go. But um, uh, she had some disease that she was dealing with and she was recovering and believing God because she knew how to believe God and uh, but she had a bad spell and she ended up in the hospital and I got a call that uh, she passed away and we had agreed together that she would live and not die and so I told the Lord no so you told the Lord no uh-huh I said we agreed and I've agreed with her many times, and we know how to agree. And you bring her back. Bring her back. So you talk to the Lord that way? Uh-huh. Now, you can't if you don't have a relationship with him. And I don't know that in every phase of my life I can talk to him like that. But in that phase, I did. And you know what happened? She came back. Because we agreed. Okay, now, here's the rest of the story, though. Because on the way, I was pleading my case. 
I said, Lord, your word says that if any two touch anything they agree upon the earth, it shall be done. Me and her agreed that she would live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. She's not done on the earth, and so bring her back. And I would just, you know, you said this, and I would just go through some things. And all the while I was driving to Huntsville Hospital, I told him what the word said. And he didn't, he, on that time, he wasn't answering me back. All I know is when I got there, she was alive. Then I walked in the room. Me and her children, I walked in the room. And I looked at her, and she looked a little different. She, you know, a little feeble, but looked different. She kind of had a glow about her. And I knew what happened. And I said, you will live and not die. And she looked at me and went, I said, don't you do that. Her family enjoyed some time with her, and she was gone. Your prayers are powerful, but you've got to believe in it. But then people's wills are involved as well. It's not fair when he shows them heaven. I don't know who was escorting her around or what, but she did not want to stay here no more. You know how heaven's not a bad place, y'all. Now, we're not getting up a load tonight, and y'all need to finish your work. Talking about prayer, intercession, pleading your case. This is what Abram was doing. He was pleading his case or interceding. And so... He got down to this, and he said, Lord, don't be angry, and I'll speak to you one more time. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way, and soon as he left a communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Well, you know what happened. There were not ten righteous there. Now, this is not Scripture. I heard people preaching the Scripture, but I believe. This is, I guess, an opinion, but I believe from what I've seen here, if he had said, Lord, I don't want Lot to move back in with me. I like my separation. Would you do, would you do it for my sake? Would you do it for my sake? I've watched this over the years. I know of uh, this one incident where I know this lady who's alive today because because her parents served God and because her, they, the Lord spared for their sake. Little do some, if you have a walk with him and you know how to plead the word, you know how to plead your case and speak the word, he'll just do things for you for your sake, for people. Is that true? There's scripture, yeah. You remember um, uh, Paul, Miletum, Miletus? Whichever, my lead him, us, I don't know, whichever way. He, he basically, remember Paul prayed, right? And he said, Lord, spare him for my sake. And he did. You have, a lot of, you have a lot of pull with your father. You're his child. Come on, you daddies. I know, you know, we're all talked tough. But your babies, they want something. Most of us, most of the time. You'll figure out a way to do it. God's better parent than you could ever think about being. He's not withholding. He's not withholding. Well, God's looking to punish. No. Jesus took all of our punishment. Took all yours. Took all of theirs. He's not looking to punish. He's looking for a man or a woman to stand in the gap. 
He's looking for somebody who will stand up and know the word of God and pray and ask him for some things in individuals' lives that you know and corporately. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.